Facing a crisis in your life or business? Take the helm and steer yourself in the right direction. It's time to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Well, we are approaching the end of November, and with that, it has been gloriously beautiful here until this week when we're starting to lose the color in Southern Ontario. I hope wherever you are in the world, you're enjoying the season, whatever it might be. I'm very excited this week to introduce our guest, Katie Corbett. Katie's going to talk to us about a toxic environment, the effects that it had on her, how she dealt with that in addition to having her own disability as a person who's blind. Katie, we have a lot to learn from you. Welcome to Taking the Helm. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to have you. And just a little side note, we had a glitch yesterday and Katie's been very gracious, a technical glitch on my part. Katie's been very gracious in, in uh, rescheduling with me. So Katie, let's go back, I guess, to uh, you were working in an environment. You explained it to me as it was toxic and you stayed there far too long. Yes. So I started a job right out of college. I was six months um, after I graduated and I got a job doing data entry and I was kind of excited because I was at the, you know, the, the bottom of the order. I was like, well, I can move up in this company. They're really doing really cool things. Um, I really felt like there could potentially be a place for me. And it was, you know, in the town that I was living in at the time. And there were just a lot of really great things about it. Um, they were very accommodating in terms of getting me the software that I needed and um, just really being open to me suggesting alternative ways of doing things because as a person who is blind, I use screen reading software and I read braille and I was really excited to work at a place that seemed really committed to a making uh, a successful, making it a successful venture. Um, and the first three months that I worked there were pretty great. You know, I had, um, was getting to know my coworkers. I was really getting involved and um, reaching out to people in other departments and doing work for other departments. Because if, if I didn't have much to do in my data entry duties, they encouraged me to reach out to other managers and see what I could do to help them. So I really felt like I was building really great relationships with people all over the company. And uh, this was also the kind of place where, you know, the president of the company was very face-to-face um, -face with staff. He was just, he was just here, you know, you, you'd hear him walking through the halls. You'd, it wasn't like there was a C-suite and people were upstairs or anything <laughs> like that. It was great for that reason. Um, and like I said, my 90-day review was glowing. You know, they, they loved me. I loved them. It looked great. Fast forward to the fifth month or so. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Um, I was not always trained well on how to do things. I think they forgot sometimes that I was still in my first year of employment. And so when a mistake would occur, one of two things were ha would happen. And it was really hard for me to predict which would, which would happen. Option number one was, you know, my supervisor would have a talk with me, you know, just really, you know, and say, hey, you know, how, how's it going? Here's what we noticed you know, what can we do to fix that? And then the other option was that she would um, pull me into her, call me into her office and scream at me. Oh. Um, and I never knew which option it was going to be. Um, 
Is that alone causes a feeling of anxiousness and worry? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in fact, after she screamed at me the very first time, um, I had a coworker who worked directly with me on, um, on some of my work. And so I like invited her to lunch and just said like, Hey, this happened. Uh, and she screamed at me about it. That seems a little extreme. Um, am I doing okay? You know, according, cause you're working right here with me. And she was like, Oh yeah, you know, it was a little hiccup, but we, we moved past it. As, as far as I'm concerned, it's fine. I'm like, okay, well, good to know. Um, and, um, I, it, it seemed to happen around the times that I would take vacation. I'd go on vacation or I'd be about to go on vacation and I would get yelled at about something. So then the second time it happened was a couple months later and, um, they wanted, they were subcontracting, subcontracting out orders. And it was my job to check the status of those orders. And I'm not a very pushy person. I, I like to, you know, I trust that people are going to give me the information I need and that, you know, I won't have to, um, follow up a bunch. I have, a, I had a lot of faith in humanity back then. <laughs> Fortunately, I've developed a few more skills since then that helped me with that. But anyway, at the time I would follow up with these subcontractors and, you know, they would tell me, oh yeah, we're working on it. Oh yeah. You know, but then things would be shipped late and it was clear that they hadn't been working on it. And my boss screamed at me about that. Um, and that was the point in time, I think, where I kind of said to myself, hey, I've been here for seven months and I've kind of started to notice things around the office. Like one of my coworkers was just extremely jumpy. Um, Wonder why. She was just very anxious. She mm. was very, um, she would like, when things were, when things got messed up, she would sometimes like cry at her desk. And I was like, that's not the sign of a great work environment. And it was at first, I kind of thought like, maybe it's just her being emotional or whatever, but she otherwise seemed like a really stable person. Um, and then other times too, uh, if something was going wrong, people would just yell at each other. And like in the middle of the office, they'd like yell at each other. And I'm like, this is not the sign of a great working environment. Oh, but I'm at the bit here, Katie, because I have to yeah, jump yeah. in. There is never ever a situation unless there's an emergency situation and the building's on fire where anybody should be yelling at anyone else in the workplace if that toxic isn't is like uh, that's ridiculous and quite frankly people the people who are behaving that way are the ones who should be held accountable and maybe even walk out the door if they if they're not changing their ways so i i'm totally i'm aghast that 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 that's happened i'm aghast that still happens with, with all the protections that we have now and as employees and workplaces yeah. And mm. in fact, one of my very good friends, um, she had been working, she graduated from college um, a year before I started college. So she was, you know, four or five years ahead of me in the career ladder. And she warned me, by the way, I've had this happen to me where people will pull me in their office and yell, my boss will yell at me about stuff and she's trying to get a reaction. So if that ever happens to you, just like, you know, don't give them a reaction, don't yell back just apologize, you know, and, and leave as soon as you can. Um, For anybody who's a manager, 
you're not exactly going to get the the best employee results, the best sales results, the best anything results when you treat your the people who work for you this way. You should be working with yeah. them. This hierarchy thing, you know with them mm-hmm. and appreciating them and acknowledging their work. And that's when you're going to get people who are happy to come to work and be productive. So when you're yelling at people, wow, take a look in the mirror and rethink it. That's just, just, just blows my mind. Yeah, I know it blew <laughs> my mind too. And in fact, um, I'll get into this a little bit later, but now that I've worked in several other working environments, which were honestly much more stressful than that first job. And I, I've seen how people handle things in a healthy way. And even how they apologize to each other, because, you know, we're all human. We all have days where we, we uh, do not act at our best and we apologize to each other. And we say, gosh, I'm so sorry. I messed up. That was not your fault. Or, you know, I should not have reacted that way. And I'm really sorry. Um, So now that I've seen that, I've kind of been like, wow, yeah, that was pretty extreme. So, so at that seven month mark, that was when I really realized I need to get out of here. This is not a good environment for me to be in. Um, and so I started networking, um, the first person I actually told who wasn't like a friend, cause I started kind of talking to my friends about this and I'm like, this is awful. What is going on here? And they were like, yeah, that's, that's baloney. You shouldn't be treated that way. Even if you messed up, even if it was completely your fault, you should not be treated that way. Yeah. And, um, so the first person I told who wasn't a friend was a hairdresser. I was getting my hair done to be the maid of honor in a friend's wedding the weekend that that second yelling episode had happened. And I just, this poor hairdresser, I was just like, I, I just need to talk. Uh, I hate my job. I need to get out of my job. And for some reason, I just need to tell you about it. And she was super encouraging. And she was just like, yeah, like do it. Like I worked in corporate for 10 years. And then I decided I'm sick of this. I'm sick and tired of this. I had wanted to be a hairdresser when I was little. So I went and got a job bartending so I could pay my way through hair salon school, cosmetology (laughs) school. And it was just like, oh, like it just kind of opened my eyes to like, here's somebody who took me seriously and had a great, you know, a great story. Cause I could have very easily seen myself moving up. It was a very corporate position. You know, it was, it was pretty corporate. Um, and she left it and she told me like, don't wait 10 years. No. Um, so Imagine I started networking. Mental health would have been like, even if, even if you stayed another six months, right? I stayed another, about three months and okay. Okay. it was, it was, it, it was only got worse. Right? Yeah, it bad. really, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it only got worse. We got busier. Um, and eventually what I, I did, um, so my supervisor, it got to the point to where my supervisor said, if you mess up again, I'm firing you. And I was like, um, wow, that's not a way to motivate employees. And I told my dad about this because he is, um, he's a superintendent of a construction company. He has worked with thousands of people on, you know, tons of different backgrounds all over the country, whatever. I told him about this. He's like, Katie, I've never heard of anything like this. You need to go to HR and you need to talk to the president because he shouldn't be allowing this to happen in his company. And I'm like, you're right. 
We so, can't make assumptions that the big bosses know, right? Right. The yeah. Absolutely. HR, the people who are in HR who are accountable for making sure the legislation is followed mm -hmm. and, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's harassment in the workplace now. There's all these different things that that they're accountable for. So that was great advice for your father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was the only time that I could talk to him because I was so busy with work and other things was when I was like on the bus getting to work. Like I just called him on the bus mm -hmm. and, and so I went into the office and I talked to the president of the company and he was like, Oh yeah, we can't have that. So I was like, okay, good. Somebody seems like he's on my side. And then I taught, we met with HR, um, to look at my file. And, um, so the first time I got yelled at, I did get written up and I knew that. And my boss was, she was, she communicated that to me. Mm -hmm. but she wrote me up two additional times that I didn't know about. Oh. And, and you didn't she, receive a copy. Did you receive her, a copy of any of these? Not at the time that they happened. Not even the um, first one. I did get a copy of the first one. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so not only that, but when we actually read through the documents, uh, she made it sound like we had very civil conversations and that it was like my problem. Um, she, the, you know, nowhere in the document did it correctly say that she screamed at me for 20 minutes or if maybe it was only five minutes. It felt like 20 minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, that's not how that went. Um, this is not good. And that glowing 90 day review, that was nowhere in that file. Oh my. Mm -hmm. So um, so a couple days later, um, and, and this president was like, I want a copy of that 90 day review. So he was trying to get it from her. And basically the answer that they came back with was, oh, they, nobody wrote anything down. Oh, nobody wrote anything down from that. Sorry. We don't have that. <laughs> well, I took notes. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, I had been networking with, um, people that I'd interned for when I went, went to college. And this lady that I had interned with was like, oh yeah, like write me what your dream job is. Cause I had started to think about what kind of environment I would want to be in and things like that. So this was going on at the same time. And <clears throat> then it was a Friday and I went into the office and I, um, I just, I, the day before I had gotten a call from one of our contractors saying that an order would be late. And I just, and this was a contractor who was extremely reliable. Like it, it was, you know, you it was know, honestly I mean, an honest dreaded, mistake. You dreaded going to work the next day. You I did. What was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I, I called my mom and I said, I, can I call in sick? She's like, nah, you should just go. Even if you are going to be fired, like know that it isn't your fault. And you know, let it play out. Like the, the, you know, the president knows what's going on now. Like, let it play out. Let it see, see what he's going to do. So I went in there and, um, I was working and things kept going wrong that day. You know, there were more orders that got messed up and it was just not a great day um, in general. And in fact, one of my coworkers stopped at my <laughs> cubicle and was like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm on lunch right now. Um, I, I don't really want to talk about it. Like, apparently I looked not very good um, mm -hmm. that day. And I remember I was, 
I was sitting in my cubicle. And so the president of this company at the time, he was very, um, you knew when he was leaving the building, he'd be, oh, bye guys, have a great weekend, you know, like mm -hmm. super happy and it's Friday and yay. Well, not today. That day he ran out of there so fast, like he was being chased by something. And I was like, that was weird. Um, and I, he had run from the direction of her office. <laughs> so um, I thought to myself, you know, I'm gonna just type up those annual, those quarterly review notes because I think they should see them. So I typed them up and sent them to him and the HR person. And right then I got a call from her, from my boss calling me to my, her office. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get fired. So I went in there and I had the weirdest experience of my life. So I remember I was standing um, right near a chair that I was gonna sit down in. And then I felt myself float out of myself. And I turned around and looked at myself. And this is another thing, like I'm totally blind. I've never been able to see but like I saw myself and then I made a decision. I decided, nope, I'm going to stay here and experience, endure whatever I'm going to endure and it will all be okay. And then I like floated back into my body. Take that with whatever grains of salt you will. I don't know what happened. I don't understand. But I think I was just so stressed out that I just wanted to leave in any way that I possibly could. So I sat down in my chair and she proceeded to fire me and she said you know like last time we talked I said that you know if there was another mistake you'd be fired so you're fired and I'm like yeah if you said that's what you were gonna do basically I said kind of like I've been expecting this <laughs> yeah. um then I went back to my desk to collect my stuff and well she stepped out of the room to do something. I think I asked if I needed to sign something because I was like, I signed something when I came here. Do I need to sign something about leaving? And she like left the room to go do whatever. And the HR person said, Hey, I, um, I, I asked him like, did you get my email with the notes from that 90 day review? And he said, yes, I did. Did you get my response? And I said, no, I didn't. I didn't read that. Um, cause that was when I was called here. So, uh, she came back and took me to my desk to get my stuff. And I was cleaning out my desk and I was going to check. I probably wouldn't have been allowed to do this anyway, but I was going to check and see if I could find that email, but the computer that I was using was gone. She had moved it. She had taken it. Um, it was a laptop computer. So she decided to unplug it and taken it away. Um, that's what she was doing when she left the room. So I was cleaning out my desk and I found, um, at, at work, we had a recognition program where we could, we could get a $20 gift certificate to the merchandise store every time we did something great. Like, awesome. um, mm -hmm. yeah, I had like 10 of them, mm. um, from people in other departments and even some that my boss had given me. And I just asked her like oh are these still valid and of course they were still valid I don't know why I asked her that but she said oh I'll take those and like took them from me and oh, probably wow. spent them <laughs> on herself 
Oh my. Yeah. So I gathered my stuff and took a cab home and uh, I was getting together with my family later that day. And so I saw my family and I told them what happened and they'd been hearing about this whole saga. And at one point when things had gotten bad, I had called my mom because she was in town and I said, mom, can you guys just come pick me up? Like, I don't care. We don't need to go eat or anything. Like it's my lunch break. I just want to be out of here for right now. And she's like, did you quit? I'm like, no mother, I didn't quit. So she had come and picked me up and my brothers were in the car and they were pretty little, pretty little at the time. Like my youngest brother was mm, probably not even a year old mm. and the boys were just like, you shouldn't be treated this way. This is awful. So like my whole family kind of knew what was going on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I left that uh, environment. <laughs> now let's take a short break. Have you heard of ShareYourStories.online? It's free to participate. We have over 300 international features shared so far. International stories from entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share a passion for their business. Do you want to increase your visibility, encourage collaboration, and connect with your own community? They share entrepreneurial stories to inspire great ideas. Go to ShareYourStories.online, take a look at the menu, and add your story in. You can also find the stories of other people that might just inspire you. Now let's get back to our show. Okay, so let, I just want to yeah. rehash a couple of things here that, you know, for our listeners, because our listeners are all over the world and come from all different backgrounds, that, um, you know, the detrimental effects, even, even if you yell at someone one time, that still causes anxiety, that still causes worry. It causes people to lose their sleep to be, and again, we go back to productivity and that's not exactly what you want for, for people who are working within your organization. But I mean, let's, let, let's, look, let's look at it at a different, uh, let's flip the coin, I guess is what I wanna say mm -hmm. right now, Katie, because leaving that organization is what ended up taking you in the path that you needed to, to get to where you are today as a freelance writer. Absolutely, yeah. Um... I ended up getting that dream job um, for a semester because uh, it was a university funded program. Um, so I ended up being able to work from home and kind of work on my own schedule, which was really good after having somebody tell me where I needed to be five days a week, yes. every week for yes. nine months. Your own boss. You get to be your own boss. There's something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I did that. <laughs> for a while, which was really fun. And then I worked at a summer camp for eight weeks, which was super fun. I had always wanted to do that. Um, then I had a two year period where I uh, was honestly facing a lot of discrimination based on uh, my lack of vision, you know, since I can't see and a lot of people, it's not that they are intentionally being mean or whatever. It's just, they just don't always know what accommodations are available and what you can do and how easy it is to work with someone who has a visual impairment um, if you just have the right equipment and the right mindset. So, so I took some time over those two years to really heal and recover and spend time with friends. And um, I know we'll get to this in a minute, but I, I found a practice called neuro-linguistic programming which um, it's abbreviated NLP for short. And it, um, it gives you the tools to reframe your thoughts and heal your brain from 
anything that might be toxic. Um, I'll give you an example. One of the things I did was I took those memories and I played them back in my mind. And instead of hearing my boss yelling at me in my mind, I could do things like turn down the volume of her voice. And so I would hear her whispering those words. And then I could really decide, are those words even true that she was saying? Um, I could make her voice sound like Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. And that made me laugh. (laughs) And so when you're thinking about a traumatic memory and instead of flinching in fear, you're like laughing, that can be very healing. There were times where I pictured myself walking, getting up and walking out of the room. Um, There were times where I pictured a good friend with me telling me, you don't have to deal with this. Let's leave. Come on, let's go. So is it it a matter of uh, finding ways to put yourself in control of the situation? Yes. As opposed Mm -hmm. to, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Because once the situation's over, once the actual situation is over, all that's left is what's in your mind. Yeah. You could do anything. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can control what's in your mind and it was just so healing to me and it didn't happen overnight. You know, I would maybe do that for five, 10 minutes and then I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. I needed a break. So it just takes as long of a time as you, you know, as it's going to take. And I say that because it's been oh, about eight years since that incident. So a lot of time has passed and a lot of healing has been done. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's going through that right now, no matter where you are right now, know that you can get better, but also know that it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Um, no, imagine and be patient with yourself. Yeah. yeah. Be patient yeah. with yourself as you're going through that. And neuro-linguistic programming is one way to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Katie, talk to us about today because uh, you are a business owner. You're helping marketing professionals. Now you're, you're sharing success stories of your clients what, what are you up to these days? Absolutely. So I specialize in writing customer case studies. And as you just said, those are the success stories of how a client or customer has gotten results using a product or service. So for example, my one of my clients, she designed a website for a knitting shop. And <clears throat> this Um, fortuitously happened right at the time that the knitting shop had to close because of COVID-19 pandemic in the United States here. And because that website was launched, they added a widget to the website where people could buy yarn through the website. And then like, there were drop-off points where people could come and pick up their yarn. And this lady, instead of having to pay, you know, almost a thousand dollars a month to keep the space rented for her shop, she made about $10,000 in the first three months that the website was live because people bought a bunch of yarn from her. That she didn't have to have a place to, wow, brilliant. Oh my goodness. There's so many possibilities that before COVID, we probably never thought about these things. And you know what I say, Katie, if we didn't have leaders like you helping us learn to do things differently, those are the businesses not, and this isn't the only reason, there's lots of reasons for it, but it's one of the reasons some of the businesses didn't succeed and be able to get through COVID because it is a matter of changing and predicting and and looking forward and saying, what do I have to do differently to get through this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I wrote the story of that, you know, why, why the knitting shop owner picked that designer, 
Um, we talked about the challenges because the knitting shop owner was a knitting shop owner. She was great at being a knitting shop owner. She was not a web designer. Right. So, um, you know, so she really wanted someone who could specialize in that. And then um, the person, uh, the web designer, she's been a web designer for over 20 years. Um, she just really knows her stuff. She knows what she's doing. In addition to web design, she also knows a lot about SEO, search engine optimization and marketing and the way to get people the information that they need. So Mm -hmm. it was just really cool to tell that whole story. I mean, in a testimonial, you might've had one of those things, you know, you might've had the knitting shop owner say, I made $10,000 because of this website. But when you get the whole story, it, it takes your potential customer from where they are now to where they could be if they work with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about customer case studies is it's like you get to walk along that journey and really, really see what happens, what the process is like. And even for the business owner who has hired me to write the case study, like I had one business owner the other day, she told me, wow, like I read that case study that you wrote for me and I kind of couldn't believe that it was real. Like I couldn't believe that this customer had really said all these amazing things about me. And like, I was just realizing that I had to deal with some imposter syndrome there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I love that, that my, my ability to interview people and draw them out and talk to them for, you know, 45 minutes can get so many good things for my clients because I mean, my clients, their customers are amazing people. They probably had said at some point, you're great. Thank you so much. This was so helpful, but they wouldn't have told that whole story to the the person that they hired, you know? Well, I I think um, what you offer to people is is very unique, Katie, and, and it needs to be done. And we need to do that pendulum shift back to connectivity, talking with people individually and building those relationships. It's been different in the last year because of the virtual context, right? It's just, there's something missing from all of that. You know, when you're on a, when you're on a, a virtual meeting with 100 people and you're maybe connecting with one or two and then there's follow-ups. Oh, anyway, I, I'm going on and on on a tangent, but you know, in listening to you and I was in a previous role as a superintendent of education and, and was bound by the legislation, bound by the legislation. And in Ontario, we have a health and safety act we have policies about workplace harassment, um, accessibility of Ontario. Actually, there's an act in Ontario called Accessibilities for Ontarians Act, which by 2025 means we need to have an accessible province. So there's accountability here for people. And I'm, I'm just gonna say this and please jump in. If any of you are going through a workplace like Katie was, where you're, you're going to work and dreading walking out that door every morning, you have options. Maybe it's speaking to your union rep. Maybe it's speaking to human, um, a human resources person. Maybe it's um, calling your ministry of labor or whatever that is locally for advice to say, this is happening to me. What, what should I do? But please don't sit complacent and live with that and go through those doors every single day, becoming more and more physically and emotional, emotionally ill because of what is being imposed upon you by somebody else's behavior and decisions. I, yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. Absolutely. And also don't keep it quiet from your friends and family either. True. I, it was very hard to talk about for a long time. And I'm just so glad that I was willing to talk about it with my family as it was happening, 
yeah. so that they would know what was going on. And if you've recently gotten out of that situation, good for you, great. Also though, it's okay to not be okay for a while. I didn't get out of bed much that first month after I left. Um, I showed up to Thanksgiving in sweatpants. It's okay to take the time for yourself and to heal and recover. And you deserve that. Oh, brilliant, brilliant closing words. But we can't leave without you telling our listeners uh, how they can reach out to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I believe my link will be in the show notes. Yep. Um, and um, my website's under construction, but I can send that to you as well. And that can go in the show notes. It'll be done probably by the end of the month. All right. Much appreciated. Uh, congratulations to you on finding your way forward and where you are now and making a difference to so many people. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to thank our listeners and our viewers. We appreciate your reviews, your feedback. Email me anytime, lynn at lynnmclaughlin.com. I'd love to know what you think as we shake things up for our third year taking this helm. Now, next week's guest is Jennifer Asher, and she is about to become a debut author. Her book, which I've had the pleasure to read an advanced copy of, is called Journey to My Daughter, and is about her quest to become a mother in spite of all of the odds that she was up against. Looking forward to that conversation with Jennifer next week. Stay healthy and safe, everyone, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. To learn more from people who are steering in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com and search the archives of every interview or subscribe to this podcast feed. A new episode is published every Wednesday.